You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome to Beyond the Headlines. My name is Joyce DeRiga. I'm the editor of the Chicago Catholic, and this is where we go beyond the headlines to take a closer look at the stories that we're covering in the Chicago Catholic, the Archdiocesan newspaper. Before we get started, I just want to give a big, a little plug for us. If you can, you can follow us at chicagocatholic.com. We have a free e-newsletter you can sign up for. You can follow us on social media, and you can subscribe for $30 a year, and that supports our ministry. And we have um, lots of updates from Rome, writings from Cardinal Supich, and just some interesting stories that are going on in the life of the Archdiocese. So today, um, as I have as my guest is John O'Malley, who's special counsel for the Archdiocese of Chicago. But he's been, um, he was director of our legal services department for many, many years. But what I wanted to talk about was, it's been 30 years since the Archdiocese of Chicago implemented its own policies to protect children from clergy sexual abuse. And then 10 years later, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops adopted its own set of policies called the Charter for the Protection of um, Children and Young People, which were modeled a lot on what was established here 10 years prior by Cardinal Bernadine. So John was there on the ground at the get-go 30 years ago with Cardinal Bernadine. So welcome, John. We're glad to have you on today. Thanks. I appreciate it. So can you tell me kind of what the what precipitated the um, Cardinal Bernadine um, moving forward to kind of implement something that was nowhere, nobody, no other diocese in the country had them at the time. It was completely unheard of. What was going on? Well, nobody had them at the time. Uh, one thing that we have learned, I think probably the general learning from this issue is that every institution that cares for children is going to face the issue of sexual abuse. Um, and therefore, they've got a responsibility to have programs in place to prevent it and, and, and educate their people and, and deal with abusers. Um, there were cases um, uh, known in the 80s, some of them involved priests, and I think Cardinal Bernadine, following an experience here, uh, realized he had to do something about it. He was responsible to do something about it. So he, in 1991, appointed a special commission to uh, advise him. Uh, they conducted a study. Uh, they interviewed people uh, and made recommendations. Um, in 1992, uh, he assigned a committee or a team to draft policies pursuant to the recommendations, and that's where uh, my involvement began. Uh, the team he asked to do this was Dr. Carol Fowler, who was the HR director at the time, Jim Saratella, who was the outside counsel, 
who had the experience dealing with the early cases and me who came from uh, professional regulation of lawyers and had experience uh, in regulating uh, a profession whose members may commit misconduct. Mm. Uh, the canon lawyer who was involved was then Father Tom Paprocki. And over the summer of 1992, uh, the special commission's report was in June of 1992. And over that summer, we drafted policies uh, um, that they had recommended. And the policies were announced in September of 1992. It was basically um, a system to regulate and deal with misconduct by priests. Uh, it established a review board that had a lay majority uh, to confirm its credibility, uh, a process where uh, the board was to be the primary advisor to the cardinal, be independent of archdiocese administration, uh, and make recommendations to the cardinal as to whether there was reason to suspect uh, that a priest had abused. Um, but the special commission only um, made recommendations about regulating priests. Mm. That's what they were assigned to do. Uh, we realized, I think, that um, a process like that is not inherently pastoral. We are a church and there needed to be some uh, some way of reconciliating uh, with the people who come forward. And actually, it was Jim Saratella's idea to commit, uh, to create an assistance ministry whose job it would be independent of the diocese uh, on behalf of the diocese to uh, reach out to victims of abuse because we recognized uh, that the church acts best when it acts like a church mm. and uh, adjudicative process is not inherently pastoral. Uh, and that was the process that was established. Uh, the assistance ministry, um, Cardinal Bernadine sensed was important and he made it the first chapter of the new policies. So we started trying to reconcile how institutions deal with legal claims. Uh, it's an adversary process. It's not inherently pastoral. Right. Uh, he, he wanted to create a process that was pastoral. And that was 1992. That's amazing. What was the response, both from you know, the clergy in the archdiocese, I imagine the general public, the people in the pews? I mean, this was something completely new. Um, it was, and if you thought that other institutions would have processes in place that we could draw from, they really didn't. That wow. was the first learning of our, uh, of the special commission, I think. Um, it was installed, uh, it was announced, uh, the review board was appointed and it began doing its work. Uh, and we kind of learned as we went along. At that point, was were there mandated reporters like there are now, or did that come later sure. on in the state? Sure. Okay. Um, uh, it didn't take us to say that mandated reporters should report, uh, but we confirmed that that was the case. 
but it also said that every diocesan uh, employee or volunteer had a duty to report to the uh, then called fitness review administrator um, and bring the, bring it to the attention of that person so that the archdiocese process could begin. In other words, there was conduct beyond what was mandated to report uh, to the Department of Children and Family Services. Um, there were cases that the department didn't take because the uh, person was no longer a minor and their mandate is to protect uh, children. Right. So there was work for us to do beyond what DCFS could do. Did the, I wonder how the clergy felt because sometimes, you know, they worry that this is kind of a witch hunt for them. Did, were they responsive because they understood the the nature of the issue? I think any profession um, maybe initially doesn't react well to a process like this. Uh, they may know the people involved. They may feel bad. But I think the priests have come around yeah. to understand that this behavior is damaging in many ways, and one of which is the, is the damage to the priest priestly profession, the profession of priesthood. So if you look at it that way, um, it, 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 you're able to understand uh, that this is misconduct that hurts many, many people, including priests. Absolutely. And then, you know, when you go back to, like you were saying, that, that the church is ultimately a church, any kind of harm is, you know, unacceptable. And we're, we're to respond, you know, with um we're to respond to that you know i keep all this stuff keeps going through my mind i was working started working at the diocese of pittsburgh in 2002 right after the charter was we can talk a little bit about we have to take a break here in a minute but um it's just it was so inconceivable like there was misunderstandings at the time of what like at one point um psychologists thought that abusers could be rehabbed and put back in the environment with children and then um, so then they ended up, many went out and re-abused, and then the science got more accurate, and then just many of these cases are, are, are really old. Anyway, but we're talking about the charter and not all that, but I, let's one, go ahead. That's an important observation because um, it's the way society analyzes behavior that is... Uh, problematic. Uh, the first phase is the moral phase, whether it's child abuse, uh, domestic abuse, it's wrong. You should repent. You should commit to reform. It's terrible behavior. It's immoral. It's sin. Uh, then you go through a phase where, and the phases overlap, uh, you go through a phase where uh, it's therapeutic. You're ill. You've got a condition, you're, uh, you should get treatment, you should get therapy. And that's the second phase. And the third phase is the legal phase where uh, it's illegal and you're going to go to jail if you do right. this. So those phases overlap quite a bit, but I think uh, it's how society becomes aware of the significance of certain behavior. 
And the statistic, I don't know if it's still accurate. I, I probably shouldn't quote it. But when um, we had all of those documents come out, you were here at the time, um, when Cardinal George was still here, where we put out all the histories of, of um, priests who had been um, credibly accused. And I think Jan Slattery gave the quote at the press conference that it's like one in eight um, men are abusers. And I remember finding that staggering. But then, so then you look at any profession, you know, um, teachers, you know, whatever, one in eight um, people. And it's just a lot of kids getting harmed. Um, okay, we'll take a quick break. And um, don't, don't go away. We'll keep talking about the protection for children and youth in the church. Catholic Charities offers a wide variety of volunteer opportunities to those who want to share their time and help us serve people in need. Whether it's stocking the shelves of our food pantries, helping refugees learn the English language, tutoring school-aged children, becoming a mentor to young adults, sorting clothes in our clothing rooms, serving hot meals to those who are facing homelessness, or delivering meals and making cards to lift the spirits of our homebound seniors, we are deeply grateful to all those who want to join in our mission of mercy. Volunteer opportunities are updated weekly for people of all ages at ccofchicagovolunteer.com or just call us at 312-655-7053. That's 312-655-7053. Thank you for helping us follow Jesus' call to serve our neighbors in need. Welcome back to Beyond the Headlines. My name is Joyce DeRiga. I'm editor of Chicago Catholic, the newspaper of the Archdiocese. This is where we take a closer look at the newsmakers going um, behind the headlines of the stories that we're covering in the Chicago Catholic. Before we go back with John O'Malley today, I just want to again plug the newspaper. You can visit us at chicagocatholic.com. We've got stories there about Rome, things going on around the archdiocese. Um, There's columnists, there's Cardinal Supich writes for us. You can also follow us on social media and we have a free e-newsletter that goes out about three times a week where you can get um, updated news from around the Archdiocese. So today, um, my guest is John O'Malley, who's special counsel for the Archdiocese of Chicago. We're talking about, which is really important stuff in the in the church, and something that I'm super proud the church did, was the Charter for the Protection of um, Children and Young People, which were it's a, was adopted by the U.S. Bishops' Conference in 2022. But 10 years prior to that, the Archdiocese of Chicago um, under the leadership of Cardinal Bernardine, implemented its own policies to address clergy sexual abuse. And it was a basis for some of the, and many of the things in the 2002 charter. Now, John, you were here around that time when, um, so let me back up a minute. So for, if anybody, I feel like I know so much about this stuff. It's like Renew My Church. You just like, you you can tell it in your sleep because I've been around it for how many years, but a little bit of a synopsis that we had in the paper was the, the Charter for the Protection of Children and um, Young People. Now, this is something just for those listening or watching on YouTube, if, if you don't know, that every diocese in the country is responsible to um, implement in all its forms. And so it called for 
the assisting and accompanying victim survivor of clergy sexual abuse of minors, removing priests and deacons with an admitted or established allegation for ministry, and creating safe environment programs to better screen those who work with children, including priests, deacons, as well as training adults and children to identify situations where abuse can take place and respond to um, abuse when it happens. That is, I think, a really cool thing that I want to talk to you, talk to you about before we um, before we get off. And then it also requires dioceses to report allegations of such abuse to public authorities and be transparent and accountable in its policies. So when the Boston Globe um, did a, um, a series of stories that kind of blew the roof off on this this topic in, in 2020, 2002, and then the U.S. bishops gathered um, to talk about, and the charter kind of came about by then. What was it like here? Because I imagine that you all were very um, instrumental in sharing your experience with these policies because the Archdiocese of Chicago, nobody else had these policies in the country at the time. A few did. Um, okay. In, 19, in 1992, or I should say we know that because we were contacted by lawyers and people for other dioceses who were interested in adapting something similar and we shared uh, our experience at the time. Um, I should say that in 1992, uh, with the installation of the policies, we had to learn beyond what was in the policies and the 10 years was uh, a process of refinement and development. And uh, one of them was the relationship with authorities. Uh, there were mandated reports, uh, society was beginning to learn that this behavior is a crime in addition to being immoral, in addition to being an illness. Uh, so we developed relationships with uh, public authorities where we increasingly uh, were involved with them. Uh, so in 2002, uh, when um, the charter and the norms were established, uh, our basic system was pretty much a given. Uh, what they, what happened in 2002 is they took it beyond. Uh, they focused on the church aspects of, of the system and, and created the norms that directed the all dioceses consider the things you mentioned. Uh, by the way, before the break, I think you said one in eight is an abuser. I think that's too high. I, I've heard statistics that somewhere between two and four percent of males uh, are abusers, and um, the data that comes up occasionally indicates that it's not any higher among Catholic priests than it is in the right. general society. Thank you Except for correcting me. Yeah, obviously, uh, uh, abuse by a Catholic priest is notorious uh, and seems to get more attention or did seem to get more attention. Um, we took the opportunity in 2002 to learn from the charter and the norms and the spirit of the charter and the norms. So we did several things. We pretty much had to uh, modify our policies to uh, reflect the uh, one strike you're out, for lack of a better description, that the bishops uh, said, and that was that one substantiated allegation of abuse of a minor would prevent a priest from ever being in ministry again. 
Um, so we did that. Uh, but more than that, we created, uh, uh, we created, we created a office of protection, protection of children and youth, which I think took it to the next level. Uh, it was designed to be an office that would attend to all the responsibilities beyond just the resolution of a priest's behavior to institute programs for prevention, institute programs for screening of employees, employees and volunteers. And that, to me, maybe I can say I wasn't as involved in that, so I'm very proud of that. And that is a program which uh, I think since 2002 when it was established, uh, it has screened 253,000 employees and volunteers. It has conducted 8,000 training sessions, uh, which is to sensitize all of our people uh, to issues of abuse, issues of grooming behavior, uh, issues of that nature. And really, it astounds me, uh, we have conducted between 80,000 and 215,000 age-appropriate training sessions to sensitize children to a behavior that is inappropriate and teaches them to report it to a, to a uh, responsible adult. So uh, we've, we've done quite a bit beyond yeah. just the discipline of a priest who's misbehaved. Well, I think the- Go ahead, I'm sorry. I, I think the screening and especially the education has had an impact. True. I don't think, uh, or I think that behavior that that could have resulted in abuse doesn't because kids know what to do and parents know what to look for. Uh, volunteers know what to look for. Employees such that uh, you probably can't quantify it, but I know there's been an, an impact. Uh, there's been anecdotal conversations from people who say that I look at behavior in a different way now. I'm sensitive to issues that may, may be uh, grooming behavior. Children resist abuse. Children report abuse. So all of that, coupled with society's awareness, um, with the program that we have, with the prosecution of, of people who um, are guilty of crimes, all of that, I think, has had a substantial impact. And I'm hopeful that it, in fact, has reduced the amount of abuse that, is, that was, was going on. That whole part that you were just talking about is one of my favorites. And I, 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 it sounds funny to say favorites when it's something that's it's, it's a serious and dark topic, but that I'm so proud of our church as a whole. Like, I tell people this, and I, I, I mean, I've went through a background check. I go through those trainings. You know, we've interviewed people who, or, and you hear from people who don't, don't want to go, th like they want to volunteer for their kids' um, confirmation retreat. And they're kind of scandalized and upset when they realize they have to go through this background check and this abuse training. But if you want to protect children, you know, that's the best way to 
to do it. And not everybody gets upset, but it's um, – and the fact that we train our kids, you know, and I use the – that's good to know that's been 200 – is that – you said 265,000 background checks? Uh, I wrote it down. 253,000. I mean, that's incredible. And I always think we only have like about two more minutes, but um, I always. I figure cumulative. So. Right. Since. Uh, and, yeah. And the, the training of children, uh, it happens each year. Right. Uh, so the child goes through several trainings, but 80,000 to 215,000 per year. If it solves one case or prevents one case, it's Amen. worth it. I, I, I kind of think it's um, prevented a lot more than that. And also, it discourages abusers because right. they have to fear they're going to get caught. It all adds up to bringing us to a better place. Well, and I wish, you know, it's caused me to look uh, twice at, you know, I see these youth camps like the major sports, um, the NFL, the MLA, the um Major League Baseball had these sports camps, and you'll see like news stories or whatever. And I'm like looking at the volunteers, they're looking at the coaches, going, "Did they get a background check? You know, like, do they know who the? You know, I just, I would love to see more. And I know some have, but I would love to see more major organizations like this um, take our policies. If if we all really say that we want to protect children from any abuse at in all cases, then why not? You know, I know it's it's expensive and stuff, but but like you said, if it prevents one one case of abuse from happening, then, you know, we should do it. There's another thing that I would like to clear up, and that is reporting to authorities. We have reported every single allegation that we know of to the authorities. Uh, between 1992 and 2002, it was more informal that we were developing relationships and understanding the nature of this uh, uh, this issue. But in 2002 or 2003, we created a written protocol with the, with the state's attorneys of Cook and Lake County where we would report every allegation we received and let them decide whether there was any criminal action to take. We don't make that decision ourselves. We've reported every case. Yeah, and that's a good thing to clarify because it doesn't always come out in uh, no. in the news stories. Okay, that's about it for today, John. Thanks for joining us. You know, I want to give every, let people know if you go to archchicago.org, you can find um, there's a little tab there about protecting children, so you can learn more about this and. Uh, please join us next time on Beyond the Headlines and Joyce DeRigo from Chicago Catholic and have a gentle and joy-filled day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, John.